In this episode of Social Media Secrets, I am finally revealing it all, the truth about how I make money on social media. I can't believe we're going here. Are you guys ready for this? Let's dive on in. Okay, so a lot of times people think that the more followers you have, the more views you get, the more likes on your content, the more money you make. That is not always the case. And I want to share a little bit of the breakdown behind the scenes of how I make money from different platforms uh, because it's interesting. It's not what you would think either. Now, the first thing I want to say is that there are people who are part of the 1% of the 1% with influencers, people who have massive followings or crazy loyal followings or followings where all of their content always goes viral. These people are unicorns. It's not the norm. Most people are not going to make enough money strictly from payouts from social media platforms in order to pay their bills. Now, I was pulling up my stats the other day from TikTok, and I'm going to break down the real numbers because I think it's really fascinating. I've had paid content, or rather, I've been a part of the TikTok Creator Fund for just the last few months, and it's really funny because I actually left just this morning. And in the last few months, I have not been putting out my best content I've ever put out. Most of my content hasn't gone mega viral. Uh, It hasn't reached a ton of people. Uh, It's been kind of like plateau level, which is to be expected anytime that you're going through a lot in life, which I have been and it's been awesome. Sounds dramatic, but it's really, really cool. And in the last four to five months on TikTok, I've made, ready for it, drum roll please, from TikTok directly, I've made less than $1,000. That is not enough to sustain a family. Now, let me be super clear. I'm so grateful for that opportunity. I'm so grateful for that money. I'm never going to scoff at $1,000 ever, ever, ever. And I think it's really cool that platforms even pay creators. So let me just get that out there. But last month, when I had videos that went viral, but not a ton that went viral, I literally made $180 from TikTok, which if you can do the math, it's not enough to live on for most people on a platform. Now, if that was what I was living on or trying to live on, I would feel so much pressure to go viral again and again and again and again. And I've watched kind of these trajectories of influencers who start getting more and more bait and switch and super clickbaity and staged pranks. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And you start to see this. And I've always wondered, how the heck does that evolution occur? But if I'm going to be honest, it's the same evolution as the (laughs) evolution of diminishing returns from plastic surgery. Has anyone ever wondered how someone goes down a a slippery slope where first they're like, okay, I'm just going to get my nose done, then they get their eyes done, then they get their lips done before you know it, they look like a totally different person. Not every single person who gets work done. That being said, some people go down a slippery slope because the pressure to keep like topping it is on. The same thing is true with influencers who are relying on a platform to sustain their needs and especially TikTok because in the words of Hank Green, not verbatim, he said, that TikTok has consistently paid him about a tenth of what YouTube pays him. That is not enough to to, uh, make a living from unless you are continually in the top 1% of 1%. So there's pressure to go viral over and over and over again. I actually just left the TikTok Creator Fund because I kind of realized, shoot, this is affecting like the way that I'm showing up. This is affecting the uh, the way that I'm wanting to perform for people. 
back when I first started on TikTok, I just posted what I wanted, said what I wanted, had fun, enjoyed the process. And so leaving that fund was actually fantastic. So that was kind of like a load off. Now let's talk real fast about YouTube. Um, I'm still not the most popular creator on YouTube. It's really weird actually talking about marketing because sometimes it gets so meta that you almost get in your head about it. Like I'm talking about the thing that I'm doing as I'm doing the thing I'm talking about, which is a really weird mind thing. But I'm going to pull up my real analytics right now because I think this is kind of cool. In the last 28 days on YouTube, it's definitely been a lower period for views for me. And I've made $1,010. Now, is that enough to sustain a family? No. But I also don't consider myself a content creator first. I consider myself an educator first. If I'm just going to be straight up honest, I'm an educator first. I'm a marketer second. Sometimes a marketer first, educator second. And very rarely do I consider myself a full-on content creator. And so what's really, really, really interesting is that I do wonder if on YouTube in particular, if I were to consistently create content based on what is going to perform and what is going to get eyeballs, once again, there are two things I wonder. One, would, would I make enough from AdSense to actually cover my bills? And I actually think the answer might be yes. But the second thing is, would I also be shifting what I talk about to try to have my content perform better? And if I'm being totally honest, I think the answer is yes. I think I would start talking a lot more about clickbaity topics. And anytime I talk about those things, I'm like, I don't think this is the right, I don't think this is what I want to be talking about at all. Now, let's look at some of these numbers over the last, so over the last 28 days, we've made $1,000 from YouTube, which is fantastic. Okay, so let's dive into the stats over the last 90 days, okay? Check this out. Over the last 90 days on YouTube, I've made... $3,935 in AdSense money. That's getting closer to really, really decent money. Like, I'm not going to scoff at that. That's fantastic. And if we look at the last 365 days, and this is really important to keep in mind, I haven't had AdSense on this entire time. I've only had AdSense on for about half this year. So in the last 365 days, just being monetized for the last six months, We've generated $6,700. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty cool. And when I look at the lifetime of my channel, I see in here that I have $7,200 just chilling in my AdSense. And that's pretty cool because I'm ready to get a new computer. So suddenly it pays for that, which is just kind of fun and exciting. But I want to share something super important because a lot of times people think like, creating on, on social media and allowing the platforms to pay you is more than enough. And the truth is, for most people, for most creators, it's not going to be enough money to sustain your family, which is why, and I'll break some of these topics down more over time, especially on YouTube, which is why you need to be creating an email list and a business on the back end. Now, you could be doing something like taking up sponsorships as your platform grows. And truth is, if you really and truly want to be a content creator and an influencer, that is one of the fastest ways to make great money. When I went into this year, I didn't realize how big of a revenue stream sponsorships would be. 
But I also want to share the perspective that while I love growth and everything that I learn in marketing, I apply to my own platforms. I'm a marketer and educator first. And so I didn't mean to become in any way like a business influencer. It's just something that kind of happened. And I don't say that to brag about myself at all. What I mean by that is I've become someone who holds influence in the space of business, which is really fun. And so I didn't expect that sponsorships would be such a big part of our business, but they've ended up becoming a fantastic source for partnerships, for revenue, and ultimately new ways to introduce tools and software and platforms that I actually love to my audience. So sponsorships are a way that you can be a true content creator and an influencer without having to start your own business. But I'm just going to say nothing has generated more revenue than the two businesses that we run. So everybody who opts in for anything that we offer is added to our email list. They're also uh, diversified to other platforms. So we intentionally cross-pollinate from one platform to the other. I learned that term from uh, Joseph Lazukin, and he's fantastic. What's interesting, though, is that every single other social media platform is just something that you rent. It is not something that you own. And this is important to keep in mind because your email list is the only place where you can continually reach out to it. It's the place where you can build a relationship, you can nurture, you can make offers. Every other platform is just borrowed. And that can be a little scary sometimes. For example, back in 2017, my Instagram was shut down after hiring a growth hacker, topic for another day. And it was kind of a scary moment when I realized the only thing I really own in business is the IP or the assets that I've created and my email list. And that's when I realized we've got to start taking this more and more seriously. Now, let me pull up my stats because it's sometimes it's super interesting to me um, how this all works. Now, I heard several years ago, I think it's, I don't think it's Dan Kennedy. It might be Mark Joyner, but I heard it from Russell Brunson, who's my mentor. And he shared something that I found really fascinating. He said, for every single email on your email list, you should be generating $1 per month in revenue from them approximately. So for example, my email list is at 209,000 contacts, which is really cool. And that's the growth of six years compounding. Now what's really, really interesting is according to kind of the business standards that you look for in growth to email list size, I should be generating about $209,000 per month in revenue. But here's the fun multiplier that a lot of people don't think about. When you work with clients in a done for you or a done with you capacity, like we do in our agency, you could have an email list of a hundred people and be making a hundred thousand dollars per month because done with you and done for you services cost so much more money than let's say a passive product or a low ticket product. So what's really fascinating is that yes, that rule of thumb can be in place, but if you offer something like done for you, done with you services, you can out leverage your list. 
Now, I won't say who, but there's a big marketer who shared with me that their email list was about 9,000 people, which is crazy because he generates multi-seven figures per year from an email list of 9,000. Now, I'm going to straight up be the first to say that his work is really, really, really good. Um, he, he, he's been in business for years. He's really esteemed in the space. But we need to all keep in mind that without the email list, it's very, very difficult for us to get off of the hamster wheel of just creating content and not really knowing where everything is going to go. What we need to start recognizing is the importance of making offers, and I mean making good offers. And a lot of times people think that making offers is scary or high pressure or weird or (laughs) too difficult when the truth is making offers is a really fantastic way to make sure that we're taken care of so that we can take care of our families, so we can make sure our team's payroll is covered, and so that we can serve at the highest level. Uh, There's a few books that I'm going to actually recommend here because these have all been super helpful to me over time as I've learned how to comfortably make offers. The first is Mark Joyner's The Irresistible Offer. This book is fantastic because it shows you how to turn an offer from something where you're begging someone to buy, but instead make something where people are begging you to buy it. You make it so fantastic, so beautiful, so juicy, and make it an absolute yes. Like, I would be crazy to not buy it. That book has been amazing. And what's crazy is I don't even think I've read the whole book. I think I've just read a couple chapters. And every time I read a chapter, I implement something new. That book has helped me so much with understanding the importance of making offers. And like I said, a lot of times people seem to think like making offers is like this horrible thing. But the truth is like, it's how small businesses run. It's how you keep your lights on. It's how you make sure that your team is covered. And so that book is completely underrated in this space. The Irresistible Offer by Mark Joyner, business owners who read it are going to see that it changes the way that you look at marketing as a whole. The second is The Ultimate Sales Letter. And while this is a little more NLP and persuasion style, what I love about Dan Kennedy is he explains, like, if you have something that people want to buy and you give value, give value, give value, and then be like, oh, and here's something that's nice to have, they're not going to want to buy it. He said people love to buy, but they don't like to without a little bit of encouragement. And this is really interesting because several years ago, I actually made an offer at one of my events and I kind of panicked and was like, oh, and by the way, join this thing if you want. And there were some people who should be in that program, but didn't join because they said you made it seem like it wasn't that great, which is wild because I put my heart and my soul into it. So I realized that we had to turn around the way that we looked at selling and making offers to support people with taking action, which is kind of fantastic. And that's where I have fun with marketing. But from our email lists, from the offers that we put out, whether it's done for you, done with you services in a client or freelancer capacity, or passive products, or coaching, or physical products, one of the single best things that we can do anytime that we create on a platform is to get people off of that platform. Otherwise, we're all subject to being shut down. I just saw a TikTok the other day, uh, and a gal was talking about how all of her, uh, it was, I think, Shopify money or Etsy money was locked up until 2022. And it made me so sad because I realized, like, if she had her own store built out, that wouldn't be the problem right now. So 
the answer to everything is you have to get people off of social media in order to truly not just convert, but build relationships without worry. So I want to share that. I think it's really important. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I'll catch you guys in the next episode of Social Media Secrets. Bye for now. Hi, Nikki. And hi, everyone. Good to see you guys. 